All right, guys. So what's up? Uh, we decided we're going to start a podcast. And so uh, my name is Josiah Greer. This is my brother. Samuel. And so uh, this is something we wanted to do for a while. And so we're going to jump into it. To the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Episode 100. You're welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to... Is ascendancy. It's episode one hundred. One hundred. We made it. We finally that we made it finally make sense. <laughs> we made it. Uh, my buddy Caleb Hyman says that he laughs every time that it's a random. Like, all right, seventy eight. We made it. <laughs> so there you go, Caleb. That one's for you. One hundred episodes. Cue the Ewok horns. Cue the boss Nash. Peace. Peace. Um, now I've made more work for myself. Uh, right. So anyways, guys, we have made it to 100 episodes of the one and only Chiss Ascendancy podcast. Mm. And it has been long coming and we've gone through all kinds of different stuff. And it's so crazy that the world would work in such a way or the force or whatever you want to call it, it would work <laughs> in such a way that Samuel moving job changes, different things where we took short breaks and stuff like that. We've kept the activity going with different shorts and things throughout the years, but episode wise, full length, long form content. We arrived at a hundred episodes right. right when the grand admiral would make his live action right. appearance. What are the odds, so, man? Yeah, I'm soaked on it. And uh, so never tell me the odds. Yeah. Right. So here we go. We're 100 episodes in, never telling us the odds. We made it. And so here's what we're going to do. For those of you listening, we're going to do kind of a uh, not we're not going to rush it, but we're going to do a review of Ahsoka parts six and seven. And we're kind of going to we're we're going to shoot a little bit from the hip here, kind of like the old days, whenever we just be on the way to the recording session and be like, what about Tuscans today? We're going to be a little bit more, a little bit more from the hip today. And so we're just going to review six and seven back to back and kind of get all of our thoughts out there as if they were one long episode. And then from there, we'll 
we'll transition into episode 100 celebration and just kind of looking back on 100 episodes of the Chess Ascendancy. So, Adam, thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely. Um, you've been under the weather. I've been under the weather. We were without power. We were supposed to have this episode out like three or four days ago. And I'm doing just fine. Thanks yeah. for asking. Sam- I'm fine, sir, but you didn't ask about me. Samuel's been holding down the fort. <laughs> so um, Monday night, uh, electricity issues at Adam's house. Tuesday night, I felt like death. <clears throat> Wednesday night, here we are. Uh, Thursday night. What freaking day is it? Is it Wednesday? Is it Thursday? <laughs> it's Thursday, Thursday, buddy. God bless. Okay. I've just been uh, sitting AFK and DMZ trying to unlock the battle pass so I can get that spawn skin I paid money for. That's all I'm doing, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here we go. Um, jumping right into Ahsoka Part 6. Um, it was an episode that is titled very appropriately called Far, Far Away. Mm. It's a 10. I'll go ahead and jump in there. And so, um, man, two of the episodes of live action Star Wars, Clone Wars, anything anything mm. Star Wars related, animated or live action, episodes five and six of Ahsoka were two of the greatest episodes of Star Wars we've ever gotten, ever. And it was so cool because we I saw that tweet. I can't remember if one of you sent it or if I saw it myself or whatever, but it was saying that if you're a Clone Wars fan, Episode 5 was the greatest Star Wars you've ever seen. If you're a Rebels fan, mm. Episode 6 was the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And it's even better if you love both. Right. And I think we're all, yeah. kind of, we're all kind of in that boat there. So, yeah. gentlemen, give me your thoughts on Episodes 6 and 7 of Ahsoka. Adam, take the lead, my friend. We have It's been a while since we've heard your sage advice, your sage input. Uh, 7... Threw me through a loop on a couple points. Um, I, I'm uh, Balin's throwing this uh, power surge around for the planet, and that's it's one thing that's kind of got me thinking. Where which way is old Dave taking this? Because there's several ways it could go, but I'm I know Dave's got his uh, his ways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm very intrigued on that. Um, between that, the the continuous lightsaber battle between Balin and Ahsoka. I mean, it just I don't know. It just keeps getting better and better. How thug was it when he's like, you can't win? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Not taunting. Just matter of fact, very confident. It's like, you can't win. You know yeah, that. You don't stand a chance. Yeah. What a thug. And she's just like, eh, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. It's cool because you see how powerful Balin is, but then you also see how much Ahsoka has grown as well. Yeah, absolutely. And how much she takes after Anakin in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know, this kind of reminds me more of Obi-Wan, but in like the old Clone Wars when Obi-Wan's just kind of BSing with the CIS general, basically killing time, waiting for freaking all the other troops to get into position. You remember that? Right. Oh, hilarious. Yep, yep. It's with that guy that's kind of like a warthog looking dude, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The blue guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Kind of jumping in, and I'll give like a real quick one minute synopsis of six and seven. But I didn't get to give my input yet. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, can we talk about how everybody just won't take their lightsaber back anymore? What the frick is this? Let's go yeah. back to freaking episode three. Obi Wan's getting his lightsaber back from Cody, who's about to try and take his life, but he takes it. He's not an idiot. He sees a lightsaber. It's being handed to him. He takes it. I would go out on a limb and say that Obi-Wan Kenobi is far more connected to the Force than Ezra Bridger ever has been. And he still took his lightsaber back. 
and that's just humility to me. I just would like to see a Jedi offered his lightsaber back and take his lightsaber back. That being said, um, episode six was phenomenal. It's everything I could have ever hoped for. It's everything I ever wanted. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that that is my input. I I currently can't see either of you guys, so I don't know if you can hear me or not. But I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, you you cut out there for a second, but we're good. Uh, it'll all it'll all it's all good in post. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, going into six, we hadn't seen Peridia yet. We didn't know what was going on, and we get there and. The Night Sisters. This is like the original Night Sister crew, um, and they're called the Sacred Mothers, if I'm not mistaken. And they are where the Night Sisters are originally from. So our whole understanding, we've known that the Night Sisters were from Dathomir, the homeworld of Asajj right. Ventress, Mother Talzin, Darth Maul, all those guys. And it turns out that originally, like way back in the past, they're from Peridia. And Peridia is this place that's we're kind of Peridia been, close, you know, we're, only yeah, on we're, we're, <laughs> so apparently, and this kind of plays into what Adam was talking about earlier, where somewhere down the line, it got so crazy on Peridia that the Jedi kind of turned it into Peridia a mythological crazy. place. It's going to be a long night for the Peridia <laughs> yeah, jokes. Um, it's Peridia funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's I'm too easy. Already done with those. <laughs> uh, see, you're liking it. Oh, too easy. You, you can't beat um, them. So them. We get there, and long Rest story short, on this side. you've got the. <laughs> God dang it! We've got the sacred mothers. Come on, guys. Uh, we get the sacred mothers, and then you have Morgan Elspeth, who has found the route she did her part which props to her and then balin and shin are there and then of course you have uh the worst mandalorian of all time sabine is there as well you and, hate her too uh, i can't stand her i don't know if it's just me maybe it's like a personal fixation i i everything she does i hate it okay so wait do you hate sabine in general like their character i think so or do you like hate not like the actress or what no no hate to the actress i i hate sabine Samuel's hated Sabine since Rebels. Okay. Just, I, I just, just can't stand her. I don't know what it is. She rubs me the wrong way. I I like the storyline that they're they're tying in with uh, Sabine. Like I like the the way that they're they're Too connecting much. things. But I'm not particularly fond of the actress myself. So that's my take on it. Like I've been okay with Sabine. And then when I realized that she made the machine that pretty much the empire used to, to kill a ton of Mandalorians. I was, she was like, I didn't know it would work with Beskar. And I was like, well, what did you think it was going to work mean, with? It's kind of like, like Oppenheimer. If, have you guys seen that movie? It's like Oppenheimer's no. face when the Jap Sploder 9 million XD gets it, used in Hiroshima. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was to kill the fish. <laughs> like, I didn't think you're going to use it. <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah, I've had issues with Sabine for a while. And so, yeah, she just – granted, I am grateful that she's so selfish that she got us to Thrawn. <laughs> so they get to Peridia and, um, you know, long story short, she's in prison. The, uh, the, the mothers say that it reeks of Jedi, which to me, 
is I think is a loop de loop because there's no way that Sabine reeks of Jedi. I think that Balin or Shin, one of the two of them, reek of Jedi. Whether it's Balin fighting the Jedi in him because he wants to do away with the past, or whether it's Shin because she's conflicted because Shin clearly knows nothing about what she's supposed to be doing. She's just like she. Whenever Balin is explaining who Ezra is and things like that, she's like, "You mean like me? Uh, I look mm. like that. I, I I wear that, you know." And he's like, "No, you're more. You're more." And so they're waiting. And then you see Sabine, who reeks of Jedi, quote unquote, and you're like, oh, my God, maybe this is the time that she really taps into the force. Maybe this other galaxy will do it for her or whatever. And she's trying to open up the, the jail cell and it starts to shake. And you realize it's a it's a it's a farce. It's not the door coming open. It's the place shaking because the chimera, the chimera has entered the chat and it's flying low and close and there it Buddy, is. When the- I say my jaw was, I was a mouth breather for three straight minutes when the, I saw, I, I was looking at it. And Dude, I was like, and how cool chimera? was it? Because I was like, okay, so. And then so- I saw the logo and I was like, is it the chimera? And yes. <laughs> you know, everything yes. keeps happening. I was like, ah. in my living room I was by thinking, myself. I was thinking so many things. I was like, okay, is, is he going to fly out on a shuttle? Is he going to fly out on a TIE Defender? Is he going to, and he didn't, he did the most Thrawn thing ever. He had a very eloquent and freaking cool looking display of troopers out there. And he walked out cute with his hands behind his back. And it was perfect there. He just walks right across to the freaking platform and he comes out there and he's got his freaking shirt and he takes his freaking shirt off because just like i predicted all those years ago the greatest thing to ever happen to star wars back in 1991 thrawn entered the chat and he comes forward and he delivers the freaking greatest opening line in the history of star wars and he says what was once a dream has become a frightening reality to those that may oppose us Oh, what a thug. I knew that He's I had so arrived cool. and the good Lord could take me home whenever he saw fit because my life had been complete. He's so cool. It was so freaking sick. Do you oh, want to know what I said? I, like it was movie level entry. Like yeah, it was, it oh, was, it was, it was more. And because we knew what we were getting and we knew how excited we were going to be to me, it was on par with the first time that you see freaking Kylo Ren come out of the shuttle in the force awakens. And you're like, who is this? Is this Darth Vader back from the dead? Is it an evil Luke Skywalker? Who is it? We didn't know what was going on. The hype had been built up. We all spent a hundred dollars at target the night that all the toys <laughs> came out. The books were there. The Legos were back and Kylo Ren had come out and we didn't know who was underneath the helmet and we didn't know what was going on. And then we had a freaking show and all this stuff was going on. It was that level of freaking excitement times 12 because I was so excited and I knew what I was getting. Yeah, absolutely. Me, I said a lot less. Three words. Dying Admiral Throne. That's where it, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the first place my mind went. So as so a man of my though. word, while we're reviewing the rest of these two episodes, I'm going to keep my shirt off because I said I would. Um, yeah, but I was so freaking stoked, dude. I mean, I, I cannot believe like – you know, all those years ago, I was walking through Barnes and Noble and it was the 20th anniversary of Heir to the Empire, which had to have been like 2011 or 2012, something like that. And it was a freaking giant book in a sweet silver dust jacket. And I it bought is a it cool because jacket. 
I was so freaking hyped, but I was so intimidated of the story that I didn't read it for years. And then by the time I did read it, I went immediately to half price books and got a paperback version so I could like keep it in my back pocket. And then I was so uh, enamored with Thrawn and the heir to the empire trilogy that I would drop Macy off at the house that she was staying in while we were dating in college. And I would turn the dome light on in my crappy used BMW 325i and I would read as I was driving to my house because I was so obsessed with the story <laughs> and I wanted to know what was going to happen to Grand Admiral Thrawn and anybody tell you then, about Audible yet or I found out about Audible right <laughs> after that <laughs> so for Dark Force Rising in the last command I had Audible but I was so freaking stoked and I remember Way back in the day, this is a shout out here. I remember there was Dash Star. He was like one of the first cool Star Wars YouTube pages whenever Star Wars Theory and Star Wars Explained were first getting started back there in like 2014, 2015. And he would always open up his videos with, greetings, exalted ones. My name is Dash. And he had a freaking Quastrian accent and he would put his lightsaber up to the freaking camera. And that's how he started every video. And he was doing a reaction to the Rebel Season 3 trailer. And you hear the freaking... Uh, you hear the freaking um, what's the freaking instrument I'm thinking of? Not the piano, the freaking uh, come on, Samuel, you're a, you're a music guy. <laughs> I don't know what the music uh, that plays when Thrawn comes on screen. You're referring to? I don't know. I assume it's horns. I the, it's John the Williams. Organ. The organ play. The organ stuff is going on, and you hear Lars Mikkelsen for the first time to defeat an enemy. He does you must so good, him. dude. And oh, so it was good. the first time you heard him as Thrawn because it was the animated reveal for Rebel Season 3. And I made fun of him at the time, and now I identify with it heavily, especially after the Kylo Ren seeing Han Solo in Episode 9 moment. But this guy starts ugly. This guy starts ugly crying, and he goes, it's, and with his cool Australian accent, he goes, it's Thrawn! And I was so freaking hyped, and I was having that freaking moment last last when our last tuesday night and you know we all were pining for benedict cumberbatch or that would have been cool uh, but i think i think what we've got right now is perfect what we have right now is a gift from the gods in the form of grand admiral thrawn as lars mickelson just hearing him talk about thrawn in the little interviews and stuff that star wars channel put out was so i love how much he loves thrawn i think that's the biggest yeah yeah. That's the biggest endearment that I can have towards him is hearing him talk about Thrawn and appreciate yeah, he, he all the nuances that I think are maybe lost on a lot of people right now. Yeah, he fan. definitely admires him. He was like, he's always seven steps ahead. He's like an eel. And I was <laughs> like, oh, he's like an eel. He's so smooth. And uh, and he said something that was so interesting that I sent to you guys and I posted in the story and things. But he said – he doesn't have the dark side of the force and evil is not a part of him, but he's willing to use evil to achieve his goals. And I was like, what are you saying, Lars Mikkelsen? When he's saying he was able are to align with the dark. Been right for the last five years. That was right. cool. Whatever it takes to, to protect like, the ascendancy. Yeah. Big fan. Big freaking so fan. What, uh, what are you guys going to do the first time that he ever says the chist ascendancy on screen? Oh. <sighs> Are you just going to explode all over the wall? <laughs> I will be running down my street naked. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm a man of my word. My shirt's off. So uh, you're up, Adam. <laughs> Send it to the chatter. It doesn't count. 
But yeah, we'd, um, we'd have to make a uh, exclusive content page for that. <laughs> we post to Patreon once, a hundred dollars, dude. But it was so sick, and um, Thrawn was just perfect, and Enoch was amazing, and there's so much that. going on. I was a big so, appreciator of all of the little uh, lore that you know, Davey's big fan of different uh mythologies and all that kind of stuff and that's kind of what drew george lucas's eye so it's really cool to see him draw some of those things into this episode i mean it's it's you know what else are we expecting but very cool yeah very exciting and um just using it's crazy because you have like thrawn and his style of people um that look persian almost and then you have the night sisters or the night mothers and their magic is very like something from the Greeks. Like you, you pointed out that it's like the all seeing eye type of thing. Yeah. Um, it would be the, the fates. So it's the three sisters right. that basically control and see fate. So I think that that is probably something to do with how um, perceptive they are as far as, you know, being able to sense Ahsoka coming through hyperspace and Ahsoka is a powerful Jedi, but she's not, you know, I wouldn't say she's awake in the force like a Luke Skywalker or a Yoda. Um, but they're still able to sense that, you know, even at a great distance and at a great velocity. I think maybe that's, you know, while we're trying to kind of crucify Sabine, I think she may have had enough of a connection with the force for those, that type of individual to be able to peg that. You know what I mean? I think maybe that they were talking to her, but I've been wrong before. I'm willing to be wrong again if it means something cool out of, uh, Balin skull, but yeah, very cool there. Or, um, I think maybe cause Dave's kind of like, a uh, an implied message kind of guy. There's that, um, you and I have talked a lot about this for different reasons, but that Kintsugi, that, uh, that repair technique. So the Japanese would, if they had a piece of, uh, you know, fine, fine dining, uh, like a plate or a, a vase or something, and it is shattered, it was typically made of porcelain. They would repair it with a fine metal, like uh, silver or gold or platinum, gold, something yeah. that right. would inherently increase the value of that piece. And so looking at how the Chimera and Thrawn's, what he's calling them night soldiers or night troopers, um, I feel like that's kind of a message within the story that they're coming back and they're repaired and they're, you know, the Imperial remnant you know, very much in name and in deed. And for that sake, they're a lot more valuable than they, what they would have been before they were lost. So I think that that's kind of cool. And, um, you know, just seeing all the little, you know, bits and pieces. I Like I told you with Enoch, I thought I would never see original, like a cool original helmet again, one that I was like, oh, wow, I would never have thought that before. So to right. see something like that yeah, um, that was very right. cool. Absolutely. And I've kind of gone back and forth about what that design might look like. I've seen some people say that it's modeled after the faces of the, the night sisters to kind of pull back in, um, a relation to their magic. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of pieces up in the air, but I think that it's very, I always just really enjoy the little tidbits that you get. If you are familiar with different world cultures and, and mythologies and stuff like that, that Dave always pulls in. Right. And it's crazy because like, you know, especially in part seven, you've got, you know, Balin and Shin, uh, their last names, Skull and Hati are from Norse mythology and they're two wolves that one chases the sun, one chases the moon. And then we see all, you know, all of a sudden a parting of the ways in part seven. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of starts with Balin, um, 
seeking something more in part six. And he talks about there's a power out there. Can't you mm-hmm. feel it? Is it is it possible that there's something more powerful than they mm-hmm. are? Because it makes sense that like Thrawn would be in a hurry to get back to the galaxy that he knows right. just because he wants to get back and see what's going on with the Empire or see what's going on with the Chiss or whatever. But there's also an urgency for them to get out. And I was thinking about this too, guys, is like, you know, the movies kind of do a disservice to the Empire in a sense that they kind of look silly and easily beatable just because the plot armor of the original trilogy. But in the grand scheme of things, this this army took over the entire galaxy and held it down for 20 years. And so they're they're pretty regimented. They're pretty strong. You know, they, they have a very. Um, Roman style of discipline and like legions and just different terminology that, that George has used over the years um, or Nazi regimes, things like that, that he kind of pulled from when he was designing the empire. So that being said, Thrawn says that their numbers are dwindling and they need to only send two squads to go to support Balin and Shin when they find Sabine and Ezra and yada, yada, yada. What, I mean, I don't see like the the uh, Peridia version of the Tuscans, those nomads that were out there attacking people. I don't see them being strong enough or violent enough or dangerous enough to take out whole squads of stormtroopers. There's something out there the Night Sisters and Thrawn even and the Imperials are worried about. Do you think that those things in whatever Balin is hearing or or looking for are one and the same? Or what do you think is that's causing these numbers to dwindle? And, you know, do you think we'll see it before season one or part eight of this show is out? What do you, do you think there are two things? Do you think those things are connected? Do you think the numbers just dwindle because there are only one? Because you have to think a, a Star Destroyer of the Chimera size doesn't have a couple hundred troops. Mm-hmm. Like there's thousands and thousands of people on those ships. Right. Sure. So... What is it that it seems like? Not all of them troopers. Some engineers, you know, uh, helmsmen, stuff like that. But more troopers than can fill that one hangar bay. Yeah, probably. Um, I think, I don't know. I think it could be Thrawn doesn't seem to be running away. He seems to be running towards. Um, I don't think Thrawn being the person of necessity that he is would necessarily even take time to load up cargo. Although the fact that he is delaying this very, very you know, looked forward to a journey just to load up some cargo gives me question as to what that might be. That's very curious. Um, I don't know. I think about um, like, for instance, when we, we played through Battlefront 2 and we have the 501, or it's not the 501, but the, the they're on Felucia, right? And they're just talking about what hell it was to be on Felucia and how they were like, you know, just losing people to the environment and how hostile it was and you know, I think being new anywhere, they had, you know, absolute nothing to go on as far as where they would end up or how to prepare for the environment. So I think, you know, it's that it's the fact that it's combined over several years. It's the fact that they have no reinforcement. So if somebody dies, they're dead. You know what I mean? There's not, they're not going to ship in a new guy to come take over that role. You know what I mean? So I think, I think it's a combination of things. And it seemed like they still had close to full capacity running the Chimera which, you know, there's a lot of theories about how that might be as well. But I don't know if Thrawn is necessarily worried about that as much as Balin seems to be the only one 
I mean, even Ezra hasn't talked about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you got to think about it. Thrawn for sure said their numbers were dwindling. Right. So there's not a full crew on the Chimera. We know that. And what I'm saying that you can be dwindling. I, I feel like dwindling is almost a relative term in the in the sense that there's just not <clears> reinforcements. <throat> so if you don't have an infinite supply of something, it becomes much more precious. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Just the way that he said it, and you could be right. I just the way you the way he said it struck me as um, when okay, like whenever you get your birthday money, and you're like, "This is so much money. This is a hundred bucks. I can go do whatever." And then when you get down to your last twenty bucks, of your birthday money, you're like, "You know what? A couple of bucks for a soda is too much." Whereas you'd be more liberal with it when you had your first round of birthday money. So it seemed to me like. I don't know. Maybe you're maybe you're right, but it it kind of struck me as um I know that he's he's much more you're muted, Samuel. Sorry. I was just saying Thrawn hasn't had a birthday in like 20 years at this point, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh that birthday money's gone a long long way. <laughs> yeah. To, that's true. That's true. I'm just right now. But, okay, but if that's the case, my question is like they're not just dying off for funsies. Like, is there disease there? Do you think that it's just the natural habitat? Do you think? Because I mean, from what we've seen on Peridia, it's not a dangerous landscape. For chance, like the howlers, which I thought were loath wolves at first, I was kind of sad that they were just regular right, animals. I was too. Um, yeah, I thought that that was. You know I what I mean? Like, sure they were I, I don't when I saw think. Their silhouette. Yeah, I I don't think that like. For instance, I don't think it's those raiders that you see that first try to attack Sabine that Shin and Balin end up using. Because if you go back to episode four, uh, like the, A New Hope, meaning the original episode four, mm -hmm. whenever the Tuscans uh, – it's made to look like the Tuscans killed the the Jawas, but it was clearly the Imperial the Stormtroopers. The are far too accurate. Yeah, I, I mean you lose – one or two at a time, but over the course of 20 years, you know what I mean? Like they might not see substantial losses all at once, but you know, you pick a few off here and yeah. there. You've lost a lot over a, yeah, plus, you know, a long period you know, of time. Right. I agree. And plus you are, you are right in the fact that Thrawn understands the value of every single person much more greatly yeah. than Thrawn you know, is the least wasteful Imperial, yeah. you know, J jumping ahead to see. Right. Yeah. Jumping ahead to part seven, you know, you kind of have a compare and contrast to when Vader's willing to just like let whole ships and fleets and whatever die in the asteroid field just to get the Falcon. And yeah. Thrawn was like, okay, I have the information I need. Pull him back whenever yeah. Ahsoka finally gets right. to the whale boneyard. Because right. Thrawn doesn't so that care was about really the kill. Cool. He cares about the end game. You know what I mean? And then you have Morgan yeah. Elsbeth who's like, we lost him. He's like, I can see this as a victory. You know what I mean? It's just he's right. not he's not who everybody's used to dealing with. So I, I definitely think that yeah. everything he says is – layered you know in different in different ways than we would expect from any other imperial yeah it's interesting because we're so used to imperials trying to win every single small detail yeah he doesn't care about that and uh it was very interesting because uh it's kind of like whenever you first start learning to play chess and you're like every single pawn it's like a pawn and a queen. You know the offensive power of a pawn and a queen and obviously the queen's more valuable but you're pissed off at every single piece and then the better you get, the more you're like, yeah, pawns basically are just like just pieces that you move around. And if you're that many steps ahead, like 
they're valuable, but if losing a pawn or losing a rook or whatever gets me to the end goal, then it's right. worth it. So he's he's so good at being he's he values the individual, but if the resources like if the if the juice is worth the squeeze, then he'll let it be. And it was interesting because like a guy I talked to at work, he'll be like, "So what did you think about this episode or whatever?" He was saying a friend of his was like, "Yeah, so they lost a battle. It's not t- my my friend wasn't saying this, but a friend of his was saying, so they lost a battle to not take any prisoners. Yeah, this guy's a great this guy's a genius." And I was like, "Remind your friend." that the goal is to get off Peridia and that they needed to load the ship and they got Ahsoka away from them and the ship is full. Did he watch the episode? And so it was right. just like, well, and Thrawn's Thrawn doesn't care. He knows that if, yeah. even if they Thrawn's chase him whole, down, he's Thrawn, got a yeah, chance Thrawn to beat him any less. other day. Yeah. His, yeah, his objective is we need time. Right. I bought time. We've got that time that I purchased now and it is time to go. You know, yeah. he's, he's got his eye on the whole thing is we're getting forever. off of here. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, and you know what I was thinking earlier too? I was thinking, holy crap, Balin Skull is such a wild card in Thrawn's plan. Like the last thing I need is another guy that feels like he's large and in charge and also happens to have the Force and clearly is rough around the edges because he's a surviving Jedi. So why wouldn't I send him and his his gung-ho apprentice as far away as I can so that they're distracting Ezra, who's a problem, being gone, she's a... She's a loose string, so she's gone. And these two freaking wild people that I didn't expect to be here are all gone so that I'm for sure in charge because the great mothers are on my side and Morgan Elspeth has been trying for 20 years to get me back to the galaxy or 10 years, however long. So it's like it was so interesting that he was – he immediately – identified the the pieces on the board and goes, cool. Okay. So I don't want Ezra screwing up this plan again. So let's send Sabine who thinks that we're keeping our promise to go get Ezra to occupy his mind and his time. And then we'll make Balin and Shin feel real important by following, but it really just takes them out of the picture. And then he's like, whether they're here or not is irrelevant because our job is to escape this galaxy. Like it was just so clever that he like, he immediately take all those pieces and was like, you go play over here which played into, again, in episode seven, he was like, we wisely sense Sabine far away from here, which is where Ahsoka will be. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And so um, moving into part seven, obviously Ahsoka arrives. She makes it through. Um, Thrawn's just moving pieces back and forth on the board to try to get a feel for Ahsoka. I thought it was a cool shout out to people who had watched uh, the Kenobi series or play Jedi survivor or watch star Wars rebels to use the inquisitorial database uh, for their info on Ahsoka. I thought that was a cool little Pretty nugget. Neat, yeah. yeah. yeah and then cool. the, the news was that Ahsoka's master was general Anakin Skywalker, which was the most surprised Thrawn has ever looked. Right. Um, but it's interesting because he immediately knew what the idea would be. Okay. So she's passionate. She's going to move on a whim. She's going to this, she's going to that, but she's dangerous mm-hmm. and also unpredictable. Unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest danger for Thrawn is unpredictability. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's his nemesis. Thrawn, and, and Timothy Zahn, the original, you know, Thrawn's daddy has always said that if Thrawn can see the pieces yeah. on the board, you have 0% chance of winning. It's the thing that comes out of left field. So in legends, Thrawn was only defeated because, the Nogri figured out that Thrawn had been poisoning their land to keep them in servitude. Yeah. And so his, his bodyguard Rook uh, assassinated him where, and then in, you know, and then you had the Bindu, which wasn't foreseen and you had the Purgu, which wasn't foreseen. And yeah. so, you know, 
Thrawn, I, I agree, him thinking, crap, Skywalker slash Vader is so freaking unpredictable. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an issue if they're the same. Yeah. So I think it was right. very cool that so, he recognized um, that. It's, real it's, quick. I just I, – we don't see yeah, Thrawn evolve a whole lot really. He, he kind of comes out of the mold already done. So we, you know, in the novels and stuff, you see him learn a lot, but it's very cool to see him grow in this respect of recognizing, okay, this is not good for me personally. And so I am going to adapt and keep her at arm's length and basically just keep her away from the situation, not even trying to combat her, not even trying to defeat her, but just you stay over there and I'm going to do what I'm trying to do. And as long as you don't screw that up, it should be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's all that cool to see. yeah, it's very cool to see him uh, develop in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's interesting to see, like, again, he's thinking outside the box in the in the instance that he's like, okay, well, what we don't want is we don't want someone screwing this up for everybody. And so mm-hmm. his, like, his thing isn't that he needs anything from anyone. Like he doesn't need to win. He doesn't need a prisoner. He doesn't need to even kill Ezra or Ahsoka. He just needs them out of the way. And he bought the most important commodity, which was time. And so just so interesting. Um, real quick, what are y'all's – what did you guys think of Ezra? Do you think that he that the guy looks the part? Do you think that he looks good? He kind of joked around in this episode, which I was like – Oh my gosh, hurry up and get, you know, I wanted the show to stay serious. I also want the entire show to be about Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but, and then I remembered, you know what, there's actually really true to character that he would put his hands up and try to talk his way out of the situation. Um, yeah. So I thought that was cool. And I, I agree on the fact that I wanted him to want his lightsaber back. Cause like, I'm sick of the, I don't need that throwing it over the shoulder, all that kind of stuff. I wanted him to take back his saber and be a Jedi but staple I, gun? Yeah, not not that not <laughs> just... the Obi Wan doesn't doesn't count. Um, right. <laughs> I but I did appreciate how efficient he was just with the force. Like whenever Shin Agreed. goes to cut him and he uses the force just to hold the saber yeah, in place, it. Yep. it was cool. It was cool. I'm over. I'm over the gimmicky. I don't need my lightsaber. Like, just take the freaking lightsaber, you prideful bastard. Do you know? Like, <laughs> who who doesn't want their lightsaber? It would have been back? really cool if. Yeah, it would have been. I thought it would have been cool too, because like, um, it would have been cool. Like, let's say, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and of course, I can write the show better than the writer after I've seen it, and I ha- have all the feedback from all the, you know, what I'm saying. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not being Dave Filoni here. Like, I know he's freaking George Junior, but it would have been cool, in my opinion, had he taken it and been like, I need to get back used to this thing, or I don't know, I'm a little bit rusty, or something along those lines of snarky of like. I don't know. It's been 10 years and he puts it on his belt and then he was bad to the bone with just his hands. Mm-hmm. But I agree the moment of taking the saber back and being like, Oh man, I missed this. Yeah. You know, that would have been yeah. really cool. Or like if he took it and he was like, yeah, Kane would have killed me if I lost this and then yeah. put it back on his belt and then done it. Cause that would have been a cool name drop. It would have been a cool to kind of, it would have brought some of that humor about that. We still got in the episode and it would have made it even cooler. It would have made his using just the force even cooler if he had the saber and was like, oh, wow, very cool. Boom, puts on his belt and then uses the force only. Yeah, his use of the force got a little less cool after he got immediately manhandled by Shin. Right. Right? <laughs> I thought the same thing. 
I was like, dang, that alley ain't so uh, ain't so friendly no more. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so kind of looking forward into the future, um, we haven't heard any word of an Ahsoka season two. And even if it is because there's these strikes and things going on right now, who knows how far in the future that would end up being. Um, and also, I wonder what... Like there's been the rumors of the movie that's revolving around the Mandoverse that Mandalorian and all this stuff is leading to. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Like, do you think there's going to be a, a season two of Ahsoka? Do you think, I mean, cause here's my thing. I've been wrong before, but I feel like, I feel like we're going to get to a cliffhanger of some sort where either they're just about to get to Peridia or they're just about to leave Peridia because there's there's no way that if Thrawn doesn't leave Peridia and is not a threat to the New Republic, that's going to be a huge disappointment. That will be a waste if he never leaves Peridia. Sure. So that being said, if he does leave, like even if he leaves first thing on in the episode, there's not enough mm-hmm. time for him to cause enough damage to it be a relief that he's off the board. Right. So. I wonder if in my it opinion, back. it's going to end up being a cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. I mean, I assume one of the shows in this little, you know, powwow is going to have at least one more season. I figure it'll build up wherever that lands. Um, I can't remember if uh, Mando or Book of Boba Fett's going to have another season at this point, but I imagine that there's going to be a little bit more build up. I feel like there'd be a lot of homework to do as far as explaining the gaps. If they just go straight from the end of this to a film, I could see them leaving this off um, after this season and just kind of concluding it in the film. Now we've got, you know, the big bad established out, you know, in the main galaxy, but (laughs) then we have this whole complication with Balin. So I don't know what that looks like at this point. You know what I mean? I feel like that is a big plot point that should be, play a very large role in whatever happens moving forward. Um, yeah. And I don't know how that gets resolved in either a movie or just one more episode. So here's what I think will happen. And y'all tell me if you guys agree or if I'm close or whatever, I think that we're going to spend a lot of time um, next episode with Balin searching for whatever it is he's trying to find. And maybe we'll get a little bit of backstory on him. Maybe we'll figure out a little bit of, what it is he's trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I think that whatever that terrible force is will kill Balin in the finale. I don't think mm-hmm. that Balin survives the finale in all honesty. Um, I like to see him be, like I, absorbed into it or something. Yeah. Something will happen. He'll give himself up or something, or maybe he'll try to be a conduit for whatever powerful being this is supposed to be. And his body can't hold it together or whatever. And if that's the case, then Balin dies and perhaps Thrawn leaves Peridia, but whatever this evil entity is, is able to attach itself to the Chimera or to the Eye of Scion or whatever. And that's how this greater evil is able to escape Peridia and attack the galaxy that we know. Mm. But it's going to end on a cliffhanger of either they leave right when they leave. So this evil thing, what if it's contained to Peridia, but Thrawn gets through and the big cliffhanger is, oh, no, Thrawn really is back. What are we going to do? Roll credits. 
something along those lines. It's going to be a cliffhanger of some sort because there's not enough time for Thrawn to do a bunch of damage. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna, he's going to have them dead to rise or he's going to have just arrived or something like that before it's all said and done. And then they'll announce an Ahsoka, an Ahsoka season two at the end of part eight or something along those lines. Or maybe Ahsoka and Thrawn will return in Mando season four or something along those yeah. lines. I mean, I guess we'll maybe find a, out. Maybe, maybe a new show that brings everything together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I doubt it would be another series. I agree. Um, I feel like three is enough for one great storyline, but um because book of boba was supposed to have a season two (laughs) but budgets has cut that back i believe Mm. yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that all shapes out but i'm I'm very intrigued i think you know we saw a little bit of a a taper (laughs) on you know at least my personal level of interest into season seven i know it's rated a little bit lower than uh part six but i am very excited for part eight and to see how it kind of concludes and where it might lead moving forward for sure for sure and it's kind of weird because I'm torn. Maybe this is taboo to say, but I think Ray has Ray Stevenson did such a freaking fantastic job with Balin mm-hmm. that if his character dies, it'll almost be like Heath Ledger, where I know the Joker didn't die, but the fact that that was the end of the Joker. Mm-hmm. And the whole Dark Knight was done and they release it and it was like an homage to Heath's great performance as the Joker. If Balin's story doesn't end in part eight, I, have, I of course, want the character co- to continue. But I don't want to see anybody else play the role because of how great Ray has been. Right. And I, and I really don't want to get into a whole motion cap put Ray's face on somebody else's body type of thing either, which I know they're mm-hmm. kind of capable of nowadays. So no, I, th- I think that they'll leave that alone. Honestly, I, I yeah, if, I've, th- I've if, thought about that here and there yeah, as well. Um, and I don't know. I, I figure that changes the shape of the story, at least a little bit, you know, as far as what they're considering moving forward well, I mean, with that um, other plot line. But yeah, that the, remains to be seen. I feel like, yeah, I agree. Um, you made the statement earlier uh, about Balin, you know, look, searching for that power and stuff like that. And, you know, I, it may be one of those things where he finds it and it does consume him. And that's, that's the end of Balin mm-hmm. type thing. So, which, which would be a great way to go for him because, you know, obviously he can't make any more shows unless they, they do, you know, digital effects and stuff. But, um, but I, I think, I think that that would be the best way for him to go in my, yeah. my opinion. Because I think it would be like cool is the wrong word, but it would be fitting if because Ray has done such a fantastic job. Like, obviously, I was the most excited for Thrawn, but of all the characters I didn't know going into the show. Um, or, I mean, even I guess just across the board, like, obviously, I'm most excited for Thrawn and I think Lars is killing it. But I think of all the characters that have caught my attention in this show, including Ahsoka and all them. Balin has been the most like, what's he doing? What's he, what's going on with him? Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like right. he is every time he's on screen. So like, I'm obviously here for Thrawn. Right. And then whenever Balin's on screen, I'm equally as invested. And then not that they're not good, but my investment or my, like everybody shut up. I'm watching this kind of turns down a little bit when Ahsoka or Sabine or Ezra are on the TV. I'm like, Oh cool. Here's our guys. Here's our heroes. And then as soon as Balin comes on or as soon as Thrawn comes on, I'm like, tuned in even more yeah. um yeah but i really think it would I, I can see it being like 
you remember in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where uh, the bad chick uh, the whole time is like trying to find the source of knowledge and she finally gets to the temple and she's like, I want to know, I want to know. And it's like more than she can take in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Mm -hmm. think if there's a power – because in the uh, Aftermath trilogy, that last book, Empire's End, there's a little – there's a little thing that comes out, uh, and I wonder if I took a screenshot of it because I was thinking about it the other day. But I was looking up this quote, and um, it's talking about Palpatine, and uh, I, let me see if I can find it. But basically, um, let's see. Do 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 do. Um, but there's a quote where Palpatine talks about something either on the edge of the known galaxy or somewhere in another galaxy that he felt this source of dark side power that he wanted to explore. Man, I can't find this thing. Let's see. Anyways. So, so there was two, it's in there somewhere. There's two theories that, uh, that I remember you obviously pointing that towards me. Um, I, I do find it very interesting. I, do we know where Exegol is in this? Is in like the shape of the galaxy? It's in the known galaxy. Yeah, I guess I'm just curious if it's like on the edge or on the periphery in some way that it would be far enough for him to be curious about it. But I do think that maybe they're pulling in that idea here on uh, on the you know the new galaxy. If you want, I don't really know if we have a name for it, but um, yeah, it's I don't know. There's so much to unpack, and I feel like it almost demands a second season just because there's so much and it has so much potential and so much depth. I I just can't see it all, you know, coming to a close, even with a film after the end of this, you know, this series or this season, um, man, where's it going to end? Right. Yeah. There's so much left. And then I, I don't know if you can hear Adam, but he was making a point right before you did. Um, what what was the theory that you were? Can you hear? Can you hear Adam Samuel? No, I can't. So I apologize if I've been talking over you. Been no, looking no, on okay. my screen for, for you, you guys have actually no. been balancing really well. But Adam, you said there was a theory. <laughs> so there's there's two theories that I've been you know kind of I guess doing some research on trying to figure out which way to go. One of them is a little bit far fetched, but then the other one, the more and more we talk, is kind of become real to me. Um, but uh, when they talked about uh, bringing uh, uh, there was a Legends character Abeloth. Yeah, Abeloth. Don't know much about that. Yeah, well, they talk about um, this theory. Talks about that, and they talked about how she was she was cast out into the mall. Uh, mm-hmm. Was like the the old legends, but they're right. they're saying maybe that they're using Peridia as the mall in canon. So she was okay. outcast to Peridia, and then she's the the dark entity that Balin comes in contact with and rips them apart, or whatever the case is. Right. So, so in legends, kind of to for those who are. Uh, listening or even um, to kind of catch all the three of us up. So going into Avaloth, she was the main antagonist of the last like series of books that was ever printed in Legends called The Fate yes. of the Jedi. Yes, and yes. so um, it's really cool though because Clone Wars and all that stuff was already coming out by the time all that was written. Mm-hmm. And so this the backstory of Avaloth is that she was a woman, like you were saying, Adam, that was somehow found her way in the maw cast out, whatever. I can't remember the, the specific details, but she found her way to Mortis somehow. Her, her, she was in a ship and it crashed on Mortis or something like that. And so she becomes the mother figure to the 
to the Mortis gods, yep. right? Uh, the ones, if you will. Yep. And so we know the father is the balance. And in Clone Wars, for those of you who aren't Clone Wars fans, um, it's this place similar to the world between worlds where it's kind of outside the space and time. You don't really know where it exists. Is it on the actual physical plane or is it a spiritual place? We don't really freaking know. And the father is the balance between the light, which is the daughter and the dark, which is the sun. And in this vision or whatever, he tells Anakin, it is his destiny to be the new father. And it's his destiny because the father's getting older, yada, yada, yada. Or if he were to die, it's Anakin's job to take his place. And long story short, in Legends, at some point, a woman finds herself on Mortis and she becomes almost like a, a, a peacemaker between the three of those. Because you have a father, son, do uh, daughter, but you never really had a mother figure. And so Avaloth becomes that mother, but the problem is she's mortal, she's human. And so as she gets older, she's beginning to age and she doesn't want to let go of this family that she's she's had on Mortis. And so the way that she can... Uh, transcend that mortality is to uh, drink from the font of power and to bathe in the pool of knowledge. And they're talking about that possibility, but they're saying basically almost like the Garden of Eden, like it's not for you. Like you're not supposed right. to have this, right? It's, it's very based off the Garden of Eden type theology. Yeah. And so like Adam and Eve, she thought that she knew better. And so before she can be stopped, she bathes in the font and drinks from the pool um, or drinks from the font and bathes in the pool, whichever freaking one it is. <laughs> she gets water from two places somewhere on her. And so um, it basically, but because she's not meant to have that, it transforms her and it actually makes her this extremely strong dark side entity. And, um, and so during the legacy or during the fate of the Jedi series, uh, it's really intense because, Luke has to form some kind of really freaking shaky bond between him and the Jedi and mm -hmm. his lost tribe of Sith. And they're all coming freaking together to defeat Abeloth. And there's like a freaking, there's a shadow character that he has to speak to that ends up being the, the freaking in the far future is Darth Crate. It's very freaking involved. Um, and we could do a whole episode about the breakdown of all that, but um, but it is a character that's way out there that her – she just has a hunger to take over everything and defeat everything and to start everything over and to kind of be in control and be almost like – almost kind of like a perverted version of that mother figure that she was, like to be in charge of everything. And so it would be very, very interesting if the sense that Palpatine was looking for – because he knows about Exegol. Like there's yeah. no – by the time Aftermath comes out and all that kind of stuff, like in the Darth Vader comics, like he's already got Exegol freaking going on. He takes Vader to Exegol. Like yeah. there's nothing by Return of the Jedi that he doesn't know about Exegol. He's been there. He's established. He's already got stuff. That's a fair statement, he's, yeah. He's got his contingencies already in order. Like he's already three steps ahead of, okay, if I'm dead, okay, then my freaking soul goes to Exegol. Like he's already got that planned out. So it's, it's not unknown to him. So what is it that's calling to him and – in Legends, Abeloth is the only character that makes sense to be on that scale of power. Now, some people are like, what if it's Nihilus back from the dead, back from Legends, a strong enough character that can eat worlds, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'd I mean, be okay with that. It, it, it would be very interesting <laughs> because if this, like, it still falls within the rule of the Sith because yeah. you think there's only two if there's one that's a galaxy away that nobody's known about, you know? I feel um, like... 
there's got to be in I don't I think the con the containment of this Sith idea is that the force doesn't give an f about your you know preconceived notions of who yeah, yeah. like it, yeah. they were they were made it was just groups of people that had an alignment you know so it, that that doesn't matter to me at all but I think for the sake of this story the dark side character whoever because we've already got so many people that are involved it's got to be something more ethereal than literal i think it needs to be something that someone can yeah, connect a, to a, a rather power than, source or whatever yeah yeah i think it needs to be you know could, like yeah. the bindu right this incredibly powerful being. right he's able to interact with and manipulate but he's not a player on the board really you know what i mean he's more of like a power up so we have you know it, and I, this call and this or whatever you want to call it, I feel like it needs to be a source or an idea or something like the wills that we see that guide people and give them access to a power that other people up until that point thought was impossible. You know what I mean? Everybody thought that you couldn't exist yeah. past death, that you just you wouldn't be able to retain individuality. And yet here we have somebody interacting with this, you know, group of people that are so aligned with the force that they're able to guide you through this process. I think it's something like that. I don't, I don't see it yeah. being, you know, a character, something that's, you know, super concrete, but I, I, I think Abeloth, the idea or something aligning with that is a potentiality. I don't know if it would be, you know, something that blatant, but I, I do see it being something, you know, this just something that's more, I don't know, Something that's more, more of an a, idea yeah, yeah. I, than I something that's more of a being. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because like, okay, like for instance, like in the, to go like a biblical route, like in the Old Testament, Egypt was ruling the world and had the strongest military might. But when the plague came and the angel of death came to take the lives of the firstborn, it wasn't even something you could physically fight. It was just a plague that took right. place. And it's an angel of death. And we don't know if it's a singular freaking we don't know if it's a singular character that looked like a human that walked around and killed the firstborn you know in a lot of the movies it's like a smoke or a fog or whatever right. and so maybe it's something like that where there's a it's more conceptual kind of like what samuel's saying you know like how do you how do you fight the wind how do you fight you know what i mean light and then and things like that so maybe it's more maybe it's more like you said ethereal or um yeah almost it's just, like a, i was like gonna a, say a disease like how do you fight a disease you know what i mean like just something yeah. out there like that's it's um it's not just a mortal you know flesh and bone type of character i can yeah. i can mm -hmm. see what you're saying agreed yeah so, so i think that's kind well, of maybe where it's headed on that front yeah well there's so much to freaking we could just go on for freaking forever because we're just super hyper uh hypothesis drive <laughs> but um, so we're super excited. Episode six and seven of Ahsoka were great. Six was like the height of freaking anything for me. Five and six back to back were just some amazing Star Wars. Seven setting up for what I don't even freaking know. Unless episode is like two hours long, I don't know how they're going to resolve everything. Um, give us a three hour episode. Yeah, give me. A, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so we're transitioning, guys. We are celebrating 100 episodes of the Chess Ascendancy podcast. We put it out there to the listeners if they wanted to send in a note or a voice memo or whatever. And we've got a couple of those. We have about nine um, different things that were sent in. So we're going to start. And the first one here I'm going to start with is actually a guy that I work with, a buddy of mine named Robbie. So I've been working at my job um, down here. Uh, I work for Subaru. 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, different cars and things like that. And a guy that's been with me this whole time, I've been there for about a year. His name's Robbie. And he's always like, all right. And what's funny is he's, he calls me big deal from uh, the force awakens. And so he goes, Hey, big deal. What'd you think about the episode last night? And so uh, he sent us a video. So we're going to listen to this video from Robbie real quick. Happy 100th episode, Chess Ascendancy. From I Am The DMZ. So thank you so much from my buddy Robbie. Thanks, uh, Robbie. Congrats. Appreciate that. And an amazing freaking radio voice. And so maybe we'll have him on sometime. <laughs> um, and so we're going to keep <laughs> keep them rolling. Uh, we are going to jump in real quick. And um, what we're going to do, guys, is after we read these or listen to these videos, um, we're going to do a real quick, almost like what we asked you guys to do. And we're going to talk for just a second about some of our favorite moments that we've had together, what the podcast has meant to us and things like that. We're going to try not to get too crazy with it. Um, but this next is a voice memo from our buddy Joel, um, who is on Instagram as Radis Forstad, and he sent us in a voice memo. So here comes that voice memo from our buddy Radis Forstad. Joe, Sam, Adam, congratulations on your 100th episode of the Chiss Ascendancy podcast. Thank you for all the laughs amazing info and content about the Star Wars universe over the years. It's been very enjoyable. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Um, and, and whatever you continue to put out, I'm there for it. Been a listener since day one. Could never get enough. So thank you. And uh, here's to the future. This is your friend Joel, or Radis Force Dad on Instagram signing out. And so thank you so much. Something that's really cool about having these things sent in is this one from Joel Radis Horse Dad uh, is actually from the great white North um, up there in Canada. And so that's was pretty that cool. Is that a Canadian accent for you? Is that what that was? I was, I think I was, I think I was trying to <laughs> be uh, like white North of North. the wall, like game of Thrones. I don't know. Isn't it? But, um, but yeah, so Joel is from Canada and, uh, Super cool, super chill guy. Uh, met him. I actually personally met him. Probably is very cool. Um, through uh, through the Fed Ventures uh, page because he's a collector as well. And staying in that vein, the next two are actually from fellow collectors. And this next video is from a guy named Joe, short for Joseph, all the way from Ireland. And so here's a video from my buddy Joe, uh, aka Vance oh. Armory. He's been on the show before. And uh, all the way from Ireland, here's Joe. Hello, uh, this is Joe, aka Van Sarmory, uh, recording on a lovely rainy afternoon in Ireland ahead of a massive storm that's coming tomorrow. So uh, I'm recording that while I still have the time to do it. Um, I'm recording here with some of my TVC figures in the background. Those are not all my uh, collection, but they are some of them. The rest are in storage currently. But uh, I just want to say congratulations to the Chiss Ascendancy podcast for its 100th episode. Uh, Joey Greer is a good friend of mine and a collecting and fan friend and I have to say their contribution as a podcast to the Star Wars community is forever positive. I've been on the podcast a couple of times discussing a couple of different things. Hope to be on it again sometime soon uh, but I just wanted to say congratulations and uh, I hope you get 
loads more viewers and that you have thousands of episodes in the future let alone 100 so congratulations guys and talk to you soon so thank you so much joe that means the thank world you, joe. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, hope that joe yeah we also hope for many more followers many more episodes and uh tell so all your friends cool. i would like for this to be my full-time job oh yeah you're telling me yeah. So if you're listening to this, if you've been with us from the beginning, make sure you're telling your friends about the show. All right. We got a couple of notes here. Um, and so I'm going to read these. These are just written ones. Um, this one is from our friend um, Finn Clay, a.k.a. Finn Dormoon. And uh, he is a toy photographer, customizer, stuff like that. He's been on the show before. And we're going to go ahead and just read this note from him. It says, I've been a diehard fan of CAP, meaning Chisel Cincy Podcast, since day one. Joe and Sammy have such a fun dynamic. Their mix of hysterical banter and deep, rich knowledge of Star Wars lore makes for a phenomenal podcast listening experience. My personal favorite episode was their deep dive into the history of the, t- history of the Tusken Raiders, which is also high on my list. I just love how they started with the earliest days of Tatooine when there was vast oceans and ended up talking about Darth Krayt's Sith Empire. You never know what you're going to get out of an episode of the Chist Ascendancy podcast. And so thank you so much, Finn. Fair. Um, always been really supportive I of the show. Know. I don't know what they're going to get out of it when we start recording. <laughs> it's always a surprise for us. <laughs> Absolutely. And also with you. And the force be with you as well. Yeah, and, uh, and with your spirit, and with your spirit. All right, cool. Uh, this one is actually pretty cool. This is from a buddy of ours named Christian. I met Christian probably ten years ago, uh, working at like a camp thing. And this guy is just freaking hilarious. He's also been in a couple of bands, makes yeah, great music, has an amazing voice, and a great sense other. of humor. Um, and so he uh, has listened since day one. Here's uh, the note from Christian. It says, "So I've been listening to." CAP from the beginning. The first episode, I believe, was a review of The Rise of Skywalker. And much like heroin, I was hooked. The <laughs> dynamic between Josiah <laughs> uh, the, the dynamic between Josiah and Samuel is steak sauce, a one in parentheses, the best one. Nice. Oftentimes I actually get pretty stoked to hear the next cap episode even more than the actual Star Wars show episodes. Folks like me who've never seen Clone Wars or Rebels or have read the books, I know, I know, freaking shoot me, all right. <laughs> Still like tuning in uh, to learn about Star Wars from these guys. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. It's always super entertainment. My apologies to Sam for suggesting the Jar Jar Binks episode way back, though. You're a real one for that. All this to say, <laughs> I love the pod. And maybe for the season finale of Ahsoka, y'all can cook up some Thrawn dogs, Thrawn-colored hot dogs, and eat them live <laughs> on air or something. JK, here's to another 100 episodes. Keep it going. A little little tidbit for anybody who doesn't understand that last bit. Josiah and Christian and I are in a group chat on Instagram. Uh, what's it called now? It's You're a Glizzard, Harry. That's what it is. You're a Glizzard, Harry. It's changed names <laughs> over the eons, you know, just different hot. So anytime we see a meme even closely relating to hot dogs, that goes yeah. in the group chat. And uh, so I want to also share this meme that Christian sent uh, in the spirit of <laughs> hot dogs and Star Wars memes. Um, so I'm going to describe it for those simply listening, for those who are watching on, uh, on YouTube, I'm going to put it on the screen, but it's a, uh, it's the shocked Pikachu face meme, but Pikachu has been colored blue and his eyes are red. And it says her master was general Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's Thrawn that shocked Pikachu, which is freaking hilarious. That's, yeah, that's um, okay, moving l- right along. This next one is very, very special. Our uh, our buddy and one of those guys that uh, he's your best friend, but he forgets you exist sometimes. Mark Thompson, uh, friend of the show. Uh, for those of you who re- uh, listen to audiobooks, Mark does so many of the Star Wars audiobooks, it's, and he's fantastic in every single one of them. Absolutely. I can't believe my first Star Wars audiobook all those years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago, was oh, wow. uh, Legacy of the Force Bloodlines. And I loved his Boba Fett, and that's Mark Thompson. All these years later, um, we text from time to time and stuff, and he, he's just a, a huge fan of uh, Thrawn as well. And he's the only character who's ever done both versions of Thrawn's voice. So if you are an audiobook guy, if you get the uh, air to the empire audiobook, when I say guy, I mean, folks, um, (laughs) if you listen to the air to the empire trilogy, his Thrawn voice is much more gravelly because Zahn wrote it as if he was a cat purring. As we said, the voice had that low resonance. And so, Mark did that voice and then adapted amazingly to the new voice when mm-hmm. Lars Mickelson came on with Rebels. And so here is a voice memo from our buddy, Mark Thompson. Hey, guys, it's Mark Thompson. Uh, I was busy and couldn't come on the episode, but I did want to say congratulations on 100 episodes. That is so cool. And I just wanted to say, may warrior's fortune smile upon you. And so freaking cool. He even ends it with a Thrawn quote. And so, so, um, yeah, that guy's just a gem of a human being. So thank you so much, Mark, for shouting us out. Appreciate it, Mark. If you haven't, and then this next one, check out the episode that he, we got a chance to interview and kind of talk about, you know, his background on Thrawn changing voices. I was geeking out the whole time. I don't even know if I was coherent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And then, um, this next one here, uh, penultimate. This is from a really good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Skeleton Astronaut from Instagram. He's got a written note here, and this says, Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes of the Chess Ascendancy podcast. It's a huge accomplishment, and I'm so happy for you. I've been listening since the beginning, and it's been an honor to contribute graphics and resources here and there. And he actually made the uh, the thumbnail for this week, and I didn't even ask him. He goes, hey, uh, here's this, and I'll post it in my feed as well when you post. So, like... He's just that kind of guy that has – he's an amazing graphic artist. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we have merch and shirts and things, and he has helped design all of those, and he's never asked for a freaking dime. He just does it because he's buddies with us. cool, dude. Um, Going back to his review, it says, I've always enjoyed your positive and fun approach to the Star Wars universe. It's refreshing to hear a podcast that's just about celebrating what we love about Star Wars without any negativity or drama. It's been great to dive into all corners of the Star Wars saga with you guys and joke and have fun along the way. You both have such a passion for Star Wars, and it's infectious. I always look forward to hearing your latest episode, and I usually learn something I didn't know about the galaxy far, far away. I can't wait to see what you guys do next. May the Force be with you, Skeleton Astronaut. I have to say, um, I think my favorite thing the Skeleton Astronaut has done, uh, there is this shirt that is a quote of mine that I said in passing and didn't expect it to get any traction, but it's been one of the cornerstones of the show ever since. And uh, I was describing jumping ahead a little bit to the next segment, jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, I was describing Kukrook's hat, which was 
I had no other way to describe it at the moment other than as the sombrero of the Orient. Uh, to and elaborate you can get on your that sombrero of the Orient shirts here. What <laughs> a link! I uh, the, just the you know, you know what a sombrero is—the one that they wear in Asia. And uh, he took the logo that we have. That's you know, it's the, the chimera pattern that's on the bottom of the ship. It's explored a lot in the new Thrawn trilogy, um, and. I thought to myself, I was like, man, it'd be really funny if uh, the snakes were wearing those hats. And then I looked a little bit closer and I was like, I'll be darned. They are wearing the hats. They're wearing the hats on the shirt. <laughs> and I think that just that attention to detail is just incredible. I love that. Yeah. And and again, not something that we prompted him to do. He literally sent no, me a he file. Just, he just did. And the it. file said Sombrero of the Orient. And I clicked on it <laughs> and it was a freaking file that he had just whipped up. Um, and everything he sends is quality enough that you can send it to a t-shirt oh, company and it can incredible. just go straight on a shirt. And so when you guys didn't know, and I surprised you on air with merch, um, one of the shirts that I had bought right off the bat was the Sombrero of the Orient one. <laughs> um, okay. So kind of harping off of Sombrero of the Orient, our buddy Jared Grigg, uh, who's been a huge supporter of the show, um, has even asked like, hey, what do you guys need? Hey, what can I support? How can I support the show? You know, hey, what's what's something you need for the show? Because we've never asked anybody to donate money or even, you mm. know, we put the merch out there. If you get it, great. We get like a dollar per shirt. It's not like we're making money off of it. We just want people to be able to support the show and and and, and rep it in public and stuff. And so, um, you know, I've had people say, hey, what if you did a Patreon? That way all these shorts you're making, you make money off of them and stuff. And, and we've just never... We would love to make money off of the show. We would love for it to be a source of revenue. We would love to do it full time. Everybody does. That makes freaking podcasts wants to do it full time, right? Mm-hmm. But we've never made it a money thing. And he asked, "What do you guys need? How can I, um, how can I be a part of the show? How can I?" The, his terms were, "How can I bless you guys?" And we needed a second microphone, and he just bought us a freaking microphone um, and sent it to me. So, and that's the, that's the freaking microphone I'm recording on right now is the mic that he bought for us. So pretty cool. Um, he wasn't, he, he's been slammed. He's got a new job as a teacher. And so he's just been, uh, busy out the wazoo. He said, I couldn't get anything and write anything long form. Unfortunately, uh, I'm overcommitted right now, but would you uh, throw in two of my favorite moments? Number one, when Sam says sombrero of the Orient and two, Sam gets both of them. That's kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, yeah. (laughs) It freaking well, and, memorable. Yeah. And Adam is family with this guy. Um, <laughs> Samuel, he said, number two, when Samuel says, Nar Shada, no. with the question mark yeah. at the end. I'll go ahead. Um, I'll do it live. We won't even need to clip. Here we go. Go for it. Nar Shada. <laughs> and then we're going to wrap it up. Here's our last shout out. Um, if something came in under the radar or I didn't see it or something like that, please, please excuse me. And uh, I will hit myself afterwards. But our last one is from a huge friend of the podcast. One of, uh, one of me and Samuel's bestest buddies. Um, awesome guy. Um, uh, he officiated both our weddings. I've been all over the world, officiated both of our weddings. I've been all over the world with this cat. And um, here is our buddy Chance. We want to save him for last because he is just the best. And here we go. Here's a shout out from our buddy Chance Abbott. Congratulations, Chiss Ascendancy Podcast on 100 episodes. Man, I'm so excited. I remember when you guys were first getting ready to start this thing, I was like, how are you going to have enough content to talk about Star Wars every week? I had no idea. I didn't know who Thrawn was. I had never heard of the Chiss. And now here we are, 
100 episodes later, and we've finally seen a live action Thrawn. Uh, man, so much has changed. Uh, I grew up a Star Wars fan. I was a four, five, six guy, and I had seen one, two, three. Uh, I was questionable about it. Didn't understand all of it. Had never had never watched the animated. But but as this podcast has gone along, my fandom of Star Wars has grown immensely. Uh, now um, you know I, I'm I totally see the prequels through a completely different light. That's what Clone Wars and Rebels does. And uh, so I would have to say my favorite episode is probably the nod to the animated Star Wars, because I agree, animated Star Wars is some of the best Star Wars, some of the most Star Wars, Star Wars that we get. And so, but now because of the podcast, I'm into the books and the audio books and, and all the things, but congratulations, but thank you for pointing me to animated Star Wars. That is some of the best. And so thank wow. you so much, That's Chance. Impressive. Um, huge plus, and I, I agree. Uh, I think that animated Star Wars is some of the best Star Wars there is out there, thanks to David Filoni. Mm-hmm. And um, I agree, Chance. Like, it's some of the best of out there. And if you want to deepen your love of Star Wars, years ago, if you had wanted to deepen your love, we'd be like, well, how much do you want to read? Um, and now, <laughs> obviously, that's still a huge plus. You know, there's yeah. audiobooks and comics and stuff, but just you know, just right there in front of you. You don't have to do anything for it. It just plays on the screen. Animated Star Wars will definitely make you a deeper and more appreciative Star Wars fan. And so thank you for everybody that sent something in. Yes. I know you. we had a couple of people that were working on it, couldn't get to it and stuff like that. But I have people all the time, and I'm sure you guys do too, that um, ask you when the next episode's coming out. You know, if it's been a week or two and we've been a little bit behind or if a new show's coming out or whatever – um, we've got a bunch of Andor to review. We've got a bunch of other stuff that we can still get to in time. Um, Samuel's almost died over here a couple of times this episode. I don't know what's going on. Stuff just falling, man. Um, but thank you guys so much. Um, before we get off of here, we don't want to make this episode a two hour, uh, affair, but, um, you know what? We're celebrating things. us and what better way to celebrate <laughs> us than to make a five hour episode. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I agree. Except for you're not the one editing this. <laughs> Yeah, not um, anymore. Uh, but, um, well, now that we're not talking about Ahsoka, I can put my freaking, I've been nipping this whole time. It's cold in here. <laughs> I put my, put my jacket back on. Um, Got some glass so, over there. Um, I would say some of my fondest memories of the, the Chiss Ascendancy podcast um, were just getting it off the ground. I mean, those were, I think everybody yeah. says that about their company. Like whenever you watch a Lucasfilm documentary, they're like, we were all young, we were hippies. Um but just getting it off the ground and starting the show was so much fun and it's, it's still fun. Like I'm still having a blast. Um, but having those moments where we just were doing the freaking thing. And, uh, I remember when we, everybody would say, you should start a podcast. You guys should start a podcast. You guys should start a podcast. And Adam was even there. Adam was one of the ones that start like pushed us. Hey, you should start a podcast. And so the first episode was me and Samuel in my dad's upstairs living room with a GoPro because neither one of us had a camera and both of us had iPhones that hadn't been updated and the video quality would be terrible. <laughs> I think I had and, uh, iPhone 8 at the time and that was my new one. Yeah, and we and we had <laughs> a GoPro. So we set up your GoPro and we just sat down and we talked about the rise of Skywalker and we didn't realize how much everybody was going to hate us for it. But uh, we started talking about the rise of Skywalker and... Uh, it was like 45 minutes or an hour or something like that. And we sent it to Adam and he was like, yeah, I would pay to watch this show. 
So when are you guys going to start the podcast? And Adam helped us get us off the ground. And he would, uh, one of my favorite pictures from the, from the podcast is an early picture Adam took of Samuel's just phone mic yeah. on the gimbal. And we're getting ready to start the show. And it's a picture of the screen. So it's like a picture within a picture of Samuel's phone. And, you know, I can't remember what the freaking uh, title that's was. Right when, uh, that's right when Apple came out with portrait mode. Yeah, and I was it's like, wow, was, this is freaking yeah. – what are you, a photographer? Yeah. And uh, – <laughs> but it was so cool and it was like getting ready to start, you know, getting ready to record for the Chistic Entity podcast. And I'm going to see if I can go back in time and find this on your page. Here it is. It was my cover photo for quite a while. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. a freaking sick photo. Yeah. Recording photo. the Chistic Entity podcast episode four this morning. This is February Jeez. 7th. February 7th of 2020. So three and a half years later. Recording wow. Chistency Podcast episode four this morning for YouTube, link in bio, and he tagged the page. Um, that was back in the day when you would still bring different Star Wars toys to every time that we recorded once that you thought were relevant to the episode. And you would spend yeah. maybe 20 minutes arranging them on the desk so they would be just so uh, in frame for whatever yeah. episode we were doing. Yeah, it's called a passion project. Um, but uh, yeah, and we had That's posters. Funny. And I remember we were like... And we're going to do a different poster every time, every, you know, however long we were going to do we it. We cycled whatever. them for what, maybe two months? <laughs> I think we cycled them once if we did. Yeah, right. I don't remember I think cycling we bought five and we just, you know, we would change them every once in a while. Um, and I'm going to like, just send that. kind of relevant. <laughs> uh, but that's just, that was, I mean, life was just like, I don't know. It was just like the sky's the limit. And like, I still feel that way. I still feel like this is a great show. Sure. I still feel like it just takes the one right person seeing it for it to take off and be a whatever. But, um, it was just so much fun to freaking start. And it's, it's been so fun to watch it grow and change. And I remember going on, you know, if we go on our SoundCloud right now, it's like, you have listeners in the United Arab Emirates and you have the viewers in Germany and you have the little one. And we're not like a big show by any stretch of the imagination, but somebody one time watched a show of us in Dubai, you know what I mean? Like somewhere out there, somebody's watching it. (laughs) So that's just really cool. And um, probably my favorite episodes are just the ones where we're just like shooting from the hip. Um, My favorite quote, um, if I had to give one, would be whenever we were reviewing the Mandalorian episode where the Quarren are the bad guys, and I said, you should have known they were the bad guys from the balls on the back of their neck. <laughs> and I remember... Oh, my God. I remember, like, trimming that piece out of, like, an hour and a half long podcast and sending it to all my friends and being like, this is, this is the show you should watch. And, uh... So that was a lot of fun and just stuff like Sombrero of the Orient, doing the voices of Star Wars, our favorite 10, you know, 25 voices and everybody, you know, one of us has to do an impression of every single one. Um, and, you know, I think these review episodes that are really cool. crawling on the floor behind you. <laughs> it's your mom. It's mom. Yeah. <laughs> She's in town. She had to go to the bathroom, I suppose. Oh, that is hilarious. For those of you, wow, she embarrassed herself more than we've ever embarrassed her on the show. For those of you who have the eyes like an eagle, uh, that individual army crawling uh, in the background there, we army crawled out of her. So 
here we are all these years later. <laughs> I guess she's so she's in town visiting the grandkids oh, and my God. Oh, my God. To the bathroom, so I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. That's more than I could ask uh, for. Um, but okay, well, I've got to touch on this. My my fav- one of my favorite episodes was we were upstairs in my uh, upstairs room recording the blue room, uh-huh. and we I don't remember what the episode was about. I just remember we were laughing so f- stupid hard, like we were all like almost in tears, and Josiah busted a blood vessel in his eye. <laughs> Dude, I like I've never laughed so hard in my life, but like uh. just just the the joy and stuff that we get out of this and just enjoying each other, enjoying star Wars and stuff like that, I think is really what I admire the most. Um, I, I think just the, the bond that the three of us have, you know, we've known each other for ever seems like um, I just between that star Wars and just the, the good time that we like to have. I think that's why I love it. Yeah, definitely. The hanging out's the best part. Um, sure. And I think you know, me and Sam touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but um, every once in a while we get off the beaten path of, what's really our bread and butter, which is joking around about star Wars. And we, we start getting too serious in a review. Uh, but the best episodes are the ones where we, we freaking have these crazy rabbit trails. Mom, just walk, just walk. <laughs> dude, what the heck is she doing, dude? Is there She's no other doing... way? <laughs> so my, Oh, same as never, you've never been to my house before. Cause we moved. So no. I have a sectional hilarious. and there's one way to her she's sleeping on the couch because the boys don't we were still buying the freaking bed for the boys so the sectional cuts off the other way into the living room (laughs) oh my god i'm leaving that in i'm not cutting that out i'm not i'm not cutting it out Um, but yeah like i remember I remember one of my oh, favorite episodes. Dear. I think the time that you're talking about where we laughed so hard that I busted a blood vessel in my eye was we were talking about uh, wishy-washy Padme, and we were saying, hey, I know that we can't kiss and stuff, but what about these? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, God. Oh. All right, Samuel, give the, us uh, a favorite. The lust of the eye scene, if you will. Um, yeah. <laughs> G- give us a couple of highlights, and then we'll get out of here. I think I've, I've got to put at the top of my list, uh, Dirty Hands Dooku. That one sticks with me. Uh, <laughs> Sombrero of the Orient is my legacy. Uh, yeah. Lids, Lids of Star Wars was a lot of fun. Tuskins was, was a lot of fun. Jawas was a lot of fun. I, I don't know. All the ones we were just messing around. I, yeah. I'm sure other people will think about the things that we thought were maybe insightful about our reviews or whatever. But I just love talking about the little stupid bullcrap. I think that's just yeah. that's that's what I'm here for, man. And I also think one of the and one of the things that's really cool is uh, we're kind of in uncharted waters now, so it's harder to predict things. But there was a, a solid like six months to a year where every week we would say, "I think this is going to happen next." And Dad Gummit, the next week it freaking happened, and I'll never forget when we were watching Mando. We were getting ready for Mando season two, episode one, and it was coming out, and we met at Dad's at two in the morning because he has that freaking giant projector. And I was cleaning out uh, some stuff and I found an old copy of like the Mandalorian armor by freaking KW Jeter, the bounty hunter wars from way back in the day. It's one of the best worst star Wars books ever. And I used to use um, star Wars trading cards or like star Wars game cards as bookmarks, which is freaking brilliant. I still think it's so cool. 
And I was going through, and I was like, oh, wow, this, this reminds me that I had this stash of Star Wars cards. And so at like 10 o'clock the night, you know, we're waiting to go and talk, watch Mando season two, episode one, which was so freaking good with the Tuscans and everything. Yeah. I'm going through and I'm looking at my cards and I'm looking at like, you would have in the bottom right corner, you would have like a circle if it was just a regular, everybody had a card and then a diamond if it was a little bit more rare and a star if it was more rare or whatever. And I'm going through and I saw one of a crate Dragon. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool. It would be so cool if, uh, if Mando goes to Tatooine because he needs help. But who's a better Mandalorian than the guy that was the Mandalorian Legends, Boba Fett? It'd be cool if they synced up. And wouldn't it be cool if there was a Krayt Dragon in this episode? And I just put it out there in the freaking universe. And I had people literally texting me the next day, like, "Hey, are you, did you like? Did you violate a?" Uh, a contract of some sort? Did you, was there an NDA that you just stepped over? And I was like, I swear to God, I just put it out there. I had no freaking idea. I was as shocked as you was at two in the morning. Um, and so <laughs> stuff like that has been really, really times, fun. How many times have we done that? Like Dude, how many predictions have we put out there? So and many. It just, so many. Yeah. Like I remember thinking, hey, you know, I was like, how is this going to work? Because Han Solo can't be a force ghost. But I think that the ghost of Han Solo would be the thing to bring Ben back to the light. And then I don't know. I still don't know how it works. Han Solo doesn't give a crap. Like Harrison Ford's like, I don't know how that works. I don't care. But Han Solo, I guess, just showed up as a vision to Kylo. And I wept like a child um, in episodes nine, the theaters. And so it was loud. Just craziness. Like uh, it was so loud. Yeah, it was loud. It was. It was. I wept. Um, But just crazy stuff like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of other predictions that we had that were just out there. Um, Thrawn. Thrawn appearing in Thrawn live action. Appearing live action. Yeah. 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 yeah we were the, we were the Chiss podcast and it was too, like, I still think sometimes the name, the name is too niche, but I'm like, I'm too hard headed to let it go and start over now that the, the ascendancy is on screen. Anybody yeah. else can suck it. And they can so, suck it. All that craziness. Uh, Thrawn was such a big one. People would be um, like, what's the name of your podcast? And I'll be like the Chiss ascendancy. And they'd be like, can you spell that? And I was like, swine. No. Uh, chess with an I. Is that easy enough for you? Send yeah, exactly. it out. Come exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Like, and then the shorts took off, and it's just all kinds of weird stuff. Just it's a it's a weird weird world. Weird world. Weird world. Um, but man, so many good times. I agree. The Tuscan, the Tuscan uh, episode where um, I said we're gonna call this one, <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason on Instagram that was a hit. Like people were posting their story. Look at this effing guy, and like. Uh, that intro and stuff, um, just crazy stuff. Having uh, reaching out and getting Mark Thompson of all people to do the opening welcome yeah, to just ascendancy for the fantastic. podcast was so cool. And um, I still cherish the fact that I have a file on my computer of Mark <laughs> Thompson just sitting in his just doing house. takes. I was geeking just out, just doing takes of Thrawn, and I'm sure he has like a booth set up or whatever at home. But he like, you know, I don't know. It's weird because he might be listening to this right now. But just hearing him think it through and be like menacing with it, and then more cheerful, and then more yeah. inviting, and like different cadence, you know, like uppity, like welcome to the Chiss Ascendancy, and then welcome to the Chiss. And I remember texting you, going, "Please help me because I can't decide." We and agreed though immediately. You were like, "Which three, one was better?" And then Adam said three, and I said, "Oh, thank God, because oh. I was going to pick three no matter what you guys said." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was really cool. But um, 
you know, to me, like we're, we're a couple of years in, we're a hundred episodes in, we're a couple of million views on it, on YouTube in. And to me, we're just getting started. Like I still have, I still want to go to a celebration with you guys. I still want the three of us to go to galaxy's edge together. I still want to do a podcast live sometime for people like people come and see the show. And just, I know those are things that are way out there, but those are on my chist bucket list. And so it would just be so cool. I'm so jealous of, uh, I'm not jealous of like the size or the listenership of shows and stuff, but I'm jealous of like the community that some of those shows have where if they're at Star Wars Celebration, they all go out to like a freaking Fuddruckers after one night and there's like, you know, a hundred people in there. To me, it would be cool if it was us and like three or four other people. I could care less how many people it is. It sure. would just be cool to be there with Chiss Ascendancy listeners at Star Wars Celebration or at Galaxy's Edge or at Comic-Con or whatever it might be down the road. So that would be just be so fun. And um, you guys are just, I don't know, people do fantasy football and fantasy basketball and do different crap like that, book clubs if you're a weirdo. Um, but they do stuff like that. And it's not about like, yes, it's for the bragging rights and it's for the money and it's for all these things. But really it's because here are 10 dudes that are really, really good friends and they do fantasy every year because the camaraderie is there. And yeah. so getting to do the show with you guys has been the best part of the show, in my opinion. And so um, <clears throat> you guys are the best. So um I know it's harder and harder with more and more kids entering the picture and jobs getting crazier and crazier and all that kind of stuff. But it's got so many. Um, there's yeah, <laughs> you've got kids too. They are stuck in your booze. Uh, but anyways, yeah, um, it's it's uh, twelve o'clock, so I'm about to yeah. be uncensored here in a second. <laughs> um, but um, man, I just appreciate you guys so much. And here's to the next hundred episodes of the Chiss mm. Ascendancy. Everybody said when Samuel moved and everybody said when Adam moved away and everybody said when I moved and we just got further and further from each other. And everybody said, when I had my fourth kid, we're not going freaking anywhere. The Chisicinacy is forever. We're not going anywhere. So I want to say, if you're still listening, thank you so much for tuning into the Chisicinacy and never, ever forget the force will be with you always. And even more than that, forever and ever, always remember the only family you have here is me. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.